Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our weekend service. I'm so excited you're joining us this weekend. We are in our weekend right before Holy Week. So this is Palm Sunday when Jesus rides into Jerusalem and cleanses the temple. And we're going to look into this passage and prepare hearts for the high point in the Christian uh, calendar when we celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection. But before we do that, I'm going to read some scripture for us, and then we're going to jump into a time of worship and allow the scripture to just marinate in our hearts before we open it up and engage it. So here we go. Matthew chapter 21, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, right here in this moment, these people, as they recite these scriptures, they are acknowledging their expectation that Jesus is the Messiah and that he is coming like David to restore their kingdom, to restore their nation, and to free them from Roman rule. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, this is where it gets exciting. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were excited. Not quite. It says that they were indignant. Let me pray for us as we go into worship and then we'll go into the passage and study it together. Let's pray. Lord, we are on the threshold of Holy Week and we just want to prepare our hearts to wrap our mind around the, just the inconceivable and the wondrous and the ineffable majesty of your death and resurrection, what you did on the cross. And so prepare our hearts to go into this week, to revisit and to come once again to the cross with a fresh sense of wonder and gratitude and awe. Okay, let's go back to the passage that I read earlier, and I want to draw our attention to verse 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, look at verse 5 with me, because this moment right here really frames the entire message in our time together in God's Word. In verse 5, it says, see your king 
comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Now go ahead and underline the word king and the word gentle, because this right here really captures the paradox of Jesus's character and personality that we're gonna delve into and that we see in this passage. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he doesn't ride in like Judas Maccabeus did in 164 BC. If you're wondering who Judas Maccabeus is, he was kind of like the Jewish Rambo. When that guy rode into Jerusalem in 164 BC, which means 164 years before Jesus's life, he came like a conqueror. He came in like Rambo and he came in with an army and he freed the Israelites from Roman occupation and he cleansed the temple and he used the sword and violence and force to do it all. Now, this is not what we see with Jesus. When Jesus comes as into Jerusalem, he comes as a king of a different kingdom where authority does not overshadow gentleness, where authority and gentleness are intertwined. This scene captures this mysterious paradoxical nature of Jesus's personality. And that's what we're going to really zero in on. Uh, One of my favorite authors who talks about this is this guy named Andy Crouch. And he writes in his book, every paradox requires that we embrace two things that seem like opposites. That's the idea of a paradox, right? It creates a kind of like cognitive dissonance, right? Where we're like, how can God be like this and like that? And maybe you felt that way reading the Bible, maybe going through the Bible, you're like, how can God be loving and yet do this or do this and yet still judge and hold people accountable for sin? How can he be loving and yet deal with sin? Well, that's what we see here with Jesus in this passage. He is authoritative and yet gentle. He is firm, but also tenderhearted. He is strong, but also weak. He is bold, but also lowly. He is wild, but also safe. He is crucified and yet resurrected. He is fully human and yet fully God. And this is the wonder of Jesus's personality, but it's also what makes it so hard for us to wrap our mind around him and make sense of him. When Jesus comes to the temple, he comes with an authority that offends the religious leaders and with a gentleness, get this, that attracts the broken and the blind. He comes with an authority that offends the religious leaders, but with a gentleness that attracts the brokenhearted. The way Jesus comes into the temple represents how he comes into our lives. And that's because we are the temple of God. Listen to what the scriptures say about this. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And if that isn't a dignifying and honoring of human life, I don't know what is. To embrace Jesus as king of our life, you must embrace the paradox of his authority and his gentleness because you are his temple, his sacred ground that he is jealous and passionate about. And so when he comes into our life, he comes to cleanse us 
so that our lives will shine with his radiance. So we need to talk about his authority and his gentleness. And I want to start with his authority, all right? First, his authority. And to do that, I want to bring us back to the passage to verse 12, where we see his authority. It says that Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. In some of the other gospel versions, it says that he actually made a whip, right? It was like whipping people, driving people out of the outer courts. Now, I want you just to pause for a minute and just reflect. And if you're with your family or friends at home, then I want you to really just hit the pause and and answer this question. How would you describe Jesus's actions in this moment. How would you describe him and his behavior here? All right, so take a moment and go ahead and discuss that or think about that for a minute. All right, when you think about Jesus in this moment, imagining him flipping tables over. Can you imagine right now if I just took this table and flipped it over and went over there and grabbed Jake behind the camera and threw him down? You know, this is what Jesus is doing. And yet there's a reason behind this. Um, clearly in this moment, the religious leaders are offended and angry about what Jesus is doing. It says in verse 15 in our passage, it says that they were indignant. But the question is why? What was upsetting them? And if you want to understand that, it's helpful to go to one of the other gospels. The gospel of Mark records exactly what they were thinking. In the gospel of Mark chapter 11, verse 28, It says that the religious leaders came up to Jesus after he had done all this. And it says this, that they asked him, who gave you, put some emphasis on you, you authority to do this. Because see right here, Jesus is assuming authority. He's assuming the right to tell them how the temple should be used. And he's not just telling them, he's actually doing something about it, right? He's showing them the original purpose of the temple and what it was all about. And they're just like, what gives you the right to do that? Now, when Jesus comes into this temple to cleanse it, it represents the way that Jesus comes into our lives to cleanse us and to restore our life and every area of our life to his purpose. And the religious leaders in this passage, they represent those parts of our lives that when Jesus comes with his authority, react to his authority with offense and discomfort and even anger. Those parts of our lives that resist Jesus's authority. Have you ever had an experience in your life where Jesus came into your life, was speaking with authority over some area of your life and you were just like, what gives you the right Jesus to talk into that area of my life? Maybe it was through a book you were reading, a message you were hearing, or maybe God put a friend in your life or your spouse, or maybe even your kids or a friend to speak into your life in a way that made you feel like, what gives you the right to speak into my life like that? Well, that's how the religious leaders felt. And there's a part in all of us that reacts that way to Jesus's authority. I wanted to share an example um, from my own life where I was struggling with Jesus's authority, okay? So here it is. Um, 
we were within nine days of having to leave our, the home we were living in and we weren't able to find another home to rent. And so we had nowhere to go and I was stressed out of my mind. I was looking online at all the different options in Encinitas, looking for somewhere to live. And with each passing day, I was getting more anxious until one of my friends came over. A friend came over and asked, hey, Ryan, how are you doing with that whole house search? And I was explaining to her how I was looking for a home and how it was going. And she just paused and looked at me. And she asked me one question, Ryan, are you trusting Jesus for your home? I got to tell you right now how I felt instantly. I was like those Pharisees. I was, I just feel myself bristle inside. I was irritated and offended with her question. It's almost as like, what right do you have to ask me about my faith in this moment of desperate need? Now think about what I just said. What right do you have to ask me about my faith in my hour of desperate need? Because in that moment, I was offended. I felt like maybe she was trying to judge me, and, but that was not her heart because she's a friend of mine. But she was calling me out. Are you trusting your heavenly father for what you need? And she challenged me. And I pushed back on her and I because I was offended. And I said, well, it's easy for you to say I can trust Jesus. I literally said that to her. And she said, look, I think you ought to consider taking a few days off from looking for a home and just pray and ask God to provide and allow your heart to be retuned to a posture of trusting him. All right, so I just sat there freaking out, like really three days, that's too much. But I knew this was God talking to me. And so I took the three days to pray and just to wait on God. Have you ever had a moment where God was speaking into your life, but you felt offended? Like what right does he have to speak into this area of my life? I, if you look at the notes for the message, I, I listed out some areas of our life that will help you reflect. So here's some areas of our life that Jesus claims to have authority over that can be offensive for us. He claims to have authority over our thought life, over things like the role of alcohol in our life, over our finances, over our sexuality, over our most intimate relationships, over how we spend our time, and over what we do when no one else is watching. When Jesus claims to have authority over these areas, it can be really hard. And like the Pharisees, we can bristle with offense. Like in this moment, what was happening was Jesus was claiming authority over my right to worry. It says in scripture, Philippians 4.8, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I was offended by that claim of authority over what I perceive was my right to worry. Now, don't get me wrong. Worrying is not like this crazy sin, but it's, the idea is it's not what God made us for. And I was choosing to worry instead of trusting him. So in that regard, it was not pleasing to God. It wasn't a judgmental thing that God was after. It was after God's desire to restore me to his place of peace. Do we let God call us out? And are there places in our life that we are resisting his authority? Take a moment and reflect on your life. 
Are there places in your life where you feel resistance to his authority? Well, where we resist his authority is the place of our brokenness. And that takes us to the next point. I want to talk about his gentleness. In verse 14, okay, it says this, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. That's right. After Jesus is flipping the tables over, whipping people and driving people out after all that commotion, it says here that the blind and the lame and the broken came to them and he healed them. So which is Jesus? Is Jesus the guy who flips tables over and confronts sin and speaks hard truth into our life? Or is Jesus the one who heals us, who draws us near, who cares for us and who builds us up and speaks words of encouragement? What we're seeing here is that he is both. And when we're willing to accept his authority, we are able to experience his gentleness. Now, I want to ask you a question. Um, How is it that after flipping tables and causing such a stir that the broken and the vulnerable feel safe enough to approach Jesus? I mean, would you? Would you feel safe to come to that kind of person and get healing prayer? I mean, imagine being here at church service and I'm flipping tables over. Would you be like, oh, that's the guy I want praying for me? You know what I mean? You'd be like, no, thank you. Uh, I'm going to a different church. And yet there was something about Jesus, about the quality of his gentleness that was never overshadowed by his moments of authority. Jesus exuded an authority that was never, that never overshadowed his gentle spirit. Have you ever experienced a moment in your life where someone used their authority to diminish you, to intimidate you, or to make you feel small? Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was someone at church. Maybe it was a boss or a parent or someone you thought was a friend. We all have these experiences in our life where people have used authority not to bring gentleness towards us, but to hurt us. And I want to talk about Jesus here because the truth is, is that maybe we've used authority in that way because we don't understand the heart of God. Maybe we've used authority that way. And the truth is the church has certainly done this in history. The church hasn't always known how to handle the authority that God has given to the church. And there's plenty of examples in church history where the church has used its authority to control to dictate, and even to hurt people. So let's ask the question, what do we learn about how Jesus handles authority when we look at verse 14? So look back at verse 14 with me and ask this question. What do we learn about how God uses authority? All right, so when we look at this moment here, take take your Bibles out and look at verse 14. Jesus uses his authority to heal renew and restore, period. In fact, if you look through all the gospel stories, every point at which it mentions Jesus's authority, this is what you're gonna see. You're gonna see every mention of his use of authority is in a place where he is healing, he is delivering people from evil spirits, or he is teaching people in a way that frees them from burdensome, overbearing lies that have been placed on them. Jesus always uses his authority to heal, to restore, and to renew human life. 
And that's because he is gentle and humble of heart. If Jesus is authoritative, he is even more gentle. Listen to this. In Jesus' own words, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am gentle and humble at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now notice how right here when Jesus is talking, this is the only place where Jesus really explains his own heart to everyone who's listening. He really right here explains specifically his heart. Notice how Jesus connects his gentleness and his humility of heart with the healing that he calls the rest for our soul. And Jesus combines these two. To our pride, Jesus's authority is offensive, right? Because that's the heavy burden. It's the part of us that's resisting Jesus's way, Jesus's truth or Jesus's authority. The resistance in us to Jesus's authority is the heavy burden that we bear in this life. If there's a place where you're carrying a heavy burden, it's a place where you're struggling to surrender yourself to his authority in some way. His authority to call you to forgive. His authority to give you peace in the midst of circumstances that demand you to worry about. His authority to bring healing where there's brokenness and where there's pain. To our brokenness and our willingness to admit our weariness, he is gentle. I want to just ask you this question. I want you just to pause and reflect. When you imagine Jesus, do you imagine him with a finger pointing at you or do you imagine him with open arms? Do you know the gentleness of Jesus? Have you experienced God's gentleness in your life? There's this great book titled Gentle and Lowly by a pastor named Dane Ortland. And if you haven't read it, look at my notes because the title of the book is in the notes and you can go get it on Amazon. It's such a great book. The whole book is a meditation on Matthew eleven twenty eight. this self-description of Jesus. And he writes this, Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh, reactionary, or easily exasperated. Is this how you know Jesus? He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture and most natural, I'm sorry, the posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Now at the very heart of Jesus, beneath every motive and every command and intention underneath his bright glory and resplendent majesty, is a gentle and humble heart. If Jesus' authority is what clears the deck and creates the space in our life, then it's Jesus' gentleness that actually does the healing. Because Jesus' gentleness is like a sponge. When you think about how does God heal our broken lives, he doesn't do it with his harshness he does it with his gentleness. Let me explain. Gentleness is like a sponge. It's like a sponge that just comes alongside 
the messes in our life, the messes that are our own fault, the messes that people have caused against us. And like a sponge, his gentleness absorbs our shame, our regrets, our deepest pains, and our deepest wounds. His gentleness absorbs our anger, our frustrations, and our bitterness. I remember one time I was praying with a gifted um, counselor, and there was this moment in my past where I was still carrying a lot of shame and regret. And this friend of mine who was praying with me just asked me to close my eyes and just to bring that memory back to mind, this memory that was constantly coming up in my life, causing me regret and shame. And she just asked me, where's Jesus in this moment? Now, with my eyes closed and in prayer, I just asked the Lord, Lord, just show me where you are, what your heart is to me in this area of incredible shame. And I remember just getting this image in my mind of Jesus standing there with me in the moment of shame. And the look on his eyes, it just broke me. And I just started to cry. And I felt this cleansing power filling me. I didn't know how to describe what it was that I was seeing in his eyes. And as I was getting ready for this message, that memory came back to me. And I know what I would, how I would describe it. It, it. it was his gentleness. In this moment where I just felt so ashamed of myself, I just looking into his gentleness, it just felt like it just soaked up all of my shame. All of that yucky feeling that I just had about myself. He just took it all into himself. I just was free. I was released. It says in the Bible that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not his harshness. It's not his pointing finger, but it's his kindness that leads us to repent. I think it's the gentleness of Jesus that allows us to put our guard down to put down our defenses, the veneer that we put on, that we've got our lives figured out, we've got it all together. It's that part of us, our pride, that wants to show the world we've got it figured out that is so offended by Jesus's authority because we don't want to admit the parts of us that are broken in our finances, in our sexuality, in our identity, in our thought lives. But man, these are the places where Jesus is bringing his authority These are the places that he wants to heal you. And that's what's so good about this passage. And here is the key idea I want to leave you with. Where Jesus wants authority in your life is where he wants to renew your life. So just pause right now and reflect. Where do you sense Jesus is pressing in on you where he's been making you uncomfortable, maybe talking to you, bringing up something that you just don't want to think about? Maybe this is the place right here that Jesus wants to renew you and heal your life. I just want to invite you just right now to pray with me, to open your heart, to let the spirit guide you to that place in your life. Maybe it won't pop up right now while we're praying, but I think if you 
bring this to God, he's gonna bring it to your attention. Or at least when that moment comes, you're gonna be ready for it. Okay, because so often when Jesus comes with authority, we just get so defensive and we just block him out. But what if we could recognize his authority as an invitation to renewal? All right, so let's pray together. Join me in prayer. Just take a deep breath. Pray with me. Jesus, you know me inside and out. And your word says about me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is how you see me. You see my good, my bad, my ugly, but you see who you made me to be. And that is who you are restoring me to. Now, I just want to invite you just to pause and just look into the gentleness of Jesus for a moment. Just take a moment and look into the face of Jesus. And look into his gentleness towards you. And invite him to reveal to you where he is inviting you under his authority, under his light and easy yoke. Where is Jesus inviting you under the yoke of his authority in his way of life? Where have you been resisting him and pushing back with him, ignoring him or withdrawing from him? Take a moment and just let him reveal that to you. Lord, thank you that you know our hearts and that you want to reveal yourself to us. You want to teach us to live under your authority and under your gentle spirit that we might be made more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great Holy Week. We'll see you at Easter. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.